So, if I seem a little sleepy today, it's because Matt and I were doing something last night that we do not normally do on a Saturday night before I preach. We were at a party. We were there until, I want to say, 12.30. We closed the party. And it was a special thing, actually. So, um, uh, lots of you know that Matt celebrated his 50th birthday recently. So, we had the great um, blessing, actually, of being in a, in a high school grad year with a whole bunch of people who were also following Jesus like 20 to 25 people, um, a part of that kind of Marine View Chapel gang that Andrea you would know and Bromley's you would know. So we decided to have a 50th birthday party for all of us. And we gathered at one of our friends' houses, and some of us have been in touch over the years, but we had not seen each other for like decades. And it was a wonderful thing to just sit and, and reminisce and tell funny stories, but also the, the host of the party wrote some uh, questions on a blackboard that he was hoping would be um, good conversation starters. And so one of the questions that he asked was something like, uh, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? And so I was in lots of conversations where we were reflecting back on our lives and and the ideals that we had when we were 20 and how life has turned out now that we're all turning 50. And the the answers were so varied, but I I found myself most interested by the ones that showed um, vulnerability, the ones that showed... uh, quite clearly that life had not turned out in lots of ways the way we thought it would back when we were when we only had a couple of decades underneath our belt but uh, but a sense of um, an ongoing dependence and love for God in the midst of all the ups and downs of life and there are some people that kind of said yeah you know what I've, I've made lots of good decisions since my 20s and, and life is pretty good and frankly those were the most boring conversations I had I was like, yeah, all right, that doesn't sound like my life very much, uh, and it's not that interesting, because I want to know how God is at work in your life. I mean, of course, lots of us uh, aren't even necessarily in a relationship of faith anymore, Um, but it was interesting to me as I was thinking about this message that I'm giving today, just this idea of how we live in dependence on God, how we live in an awareness of needing God, even as we... um, are older and supposedly have it all together, but um, no, we always need God. (laughs) We always need help. And some of us are less aware of it than others, perhaps. But there's this saying that we hear often that is not in the Bible, my friends, and the saying is, and you can fill in, like, I'll say the first half, you say the second half, because I'm sure you know it, God helps those who... And, and where in the Bible does it say that? Nowhere. Chapter and verse, chapter 1, verse 1 of the book of Nowhere. It's not actually in the Bible, and it's not actually the gospel, as I understand it. Because God helps those who need help. And who's that? Me, all of us. That's the gospel. God helps those who need help. God helps 
all of us, as we acknowledge our need and as we acknowledge that we need God's help. And so that's the psalm that we're going to be talking about today. You're going to be hearing me talk a little bit, and you also are going to share with one another. A lot of what I'm going to be saying here is um, a little bit of a setup for the communion table that we'll be coming to. But in advance of coming to the communion table, you will be sharing with one another some stories about how you've received God's help in the past and how you still need God's help. So this is the second in a series on the Psalms. We're calling it Psalms for the Journey because we're focusing on Psalms 120 to 134 called the Psalms of Ascent. And there are lots of theories about what the Psalms, how the Psalms of Ascent functioned in the life of God's people when they were written. But one very good theory is that these Psalms were sung by the people of God the nation of Israel, as they made their way to Jerusalem on pilgrimage. Three times a year, groups of people would gather and go to Jerusalem, God's holy place, uh, as part of the celebration of three separate festivals in the year. And so they would sing these psalms, Psalm 120 to 134. And this great book by Eugene Peterson called A Long Obedience in the Same Direction focuses on these psalms, and part of Eugene's point is he goes through each psalm, starting with Psalm 120 and and kind of doing a section on each one until 134. Part of his point is that the Christian life is like a pilgrimage. The Christian life following Christ is a journey, is both a journey and a destination, and the journey forms us. And this idea of... of, um, being on a pilgrimage, following Jesus, these psalms that were sung on a journey towards Jerusalem, those psalms can help us in our Christian walk. They can help us and form us as we walk towards Jesus. So we're not going through these psalms in order, but hopefully each of these psalms will will give you a little bit of a snapshot of one aspect of the Christian walk. This is actually going to be the last time you hear from me for a while, starting next week and continue on throughout the summer. You will be hearing uh, from different people here in the CAP community. We have lots of gifted communicators in our midst. We have a very deep bench when it comes to communicators. And so we have gathered a really great team of people, each of whom have picked a psalm in that that, uh, Psalm 120 to 134 range, and they're going to be sharing about that psalm and their experience of, of praying it and, their, uh, and what they think we need to hear from that psalm. So if you want to know who's going to be preaching when, that is all in your bookmark here. You've got the psalms outlined as well as the speaker. And uh, our team of communicators invites you to be on this journey with us by reading these psalms, by making them a part of your prayer, part of your prayer life this summer. You may want to uh, read the psalm that you know is going to be preached on ahead of that Sunday. You may want to just decide you're going to live in Psalm 120 to 134 and just kind of read them through in one sitting a few times during the summer. However you want to do it, we invite you to journey with us. You have uh, the bookmark here to show you the psalms that we're going to be preaching on. 
And um, as well, on the other side of the bookmark is a little bit of a reminder, some guidelines for you as you pray the Psalms. Last week, I gave a little bit of an introduction, some ways to help you to know how you can make the words of these Psalms your words, how you can pray them. There are some pitfalls that hopefully you can avoid by um, reading those few points, and hopefully they'll be a help to you as you um, make this a part of your prayer life this summer. So let's read Psalm 124 together. I'm going to read most of it, but there's one part of it that I want to invite you to be a part of reading. And it's, uh, you can go to the next slide, Andrea. So here's a part, so the, the psalm that we're gonna be reading, Psalm 124, we're gonna be reading from the message version. And that particular verse you will find um, in verse 6. But what I've done is I've kind of put it at the beginning and put it at the end, and you'll also find it in the middle. And it's going to be in bold, just like it is there. So whenever we get to that part, when you see those words in bold, then I invite you to read that along with me, okay? So Psalm 124, let's start with this verse all together. Oh, blessed be God, he didn't go off and leave us. If God hadn't been for us, all together now, Israel, sing out, if God hadn't been for us when everyone went against us, we would have been swallowed alive by their violent anger, swept away by the flood of rage, drowned in the torrent. We would have lost our lives in the wild, raging water. And this is the part where you read with me. Oh, blessed be God, he didn't go off and leave us. He didn't abandon us defenseless, helpless as a rabbit in a pack of snarling dogs. We've flown free from their fangs, free of their traps, free as a bird. Their grip is broken. We're free as a bird in flight. God's strong name is our help. The same God who made heaven and earth. And all together... Oh, blessed be God, he didn't go off and leave us. So this reflection has two points. Very, very simple points. Point number one, we need help. We need help. We, this psalm, some, a lot of the psalms are spoken in the first person. I, I sought God, I cried out to God. This particular psalm is we and us. And it reminds us that we're in this together. We, together, equally need God's help. Some of us are not, don't have it more together than others in the realm of life with God. We all need help. The writer of this psalm, and this psalm is attributed to David, the writer of this psalm uses very vivid imagery to describe our helplessness and our vulnerability. Words like swallowed alive. We were swept away, we would have been swept away in a flood. We would have lost our lives. We were helpless as a rabbit in a pack of snarling dogs, is the image Eugene Peterson uses helpless. We needed help. We were vulnerable. We were near death. We would have been swallowed alive by their violent anger. 
Everyone went against us, and God rescued us. Now, it might be easy to think that receiving God's rescue is a once and for all endeavor. You might remember some of those Christian testimonies you've heard where it's a description of everything was bad in my life until I became a Christian and then I called out to Jesus and now everything is good. And of course, some of that is true because something very important happens when we entrust our lives to Christ. And yet, we still need help. After that first cry out to help, after that first time that we receive Jesus and receive his help and trust our lives unto him, we still need help every day after. While entering into a trusting relationship with Jesus is life-changing and brings all kinds of healing and restoration, it doesn't mean we stop needing God's help. It doesn't mean we stop needing to be rescued. Every day, we still need God's help. And living in, depend living in dependence and gratitude can be difficult in a world that celebrates self-sufficiency and the ideal of the self-made man or woman. The idea of living in dependence on God, the idea of being needy, it just doesn't seem comfortable or fashionable. This psalm helps us with this. This is not a once and for all prayer. This is a psalm like all these other psalms that are prayed over and over again. And so it's a psalm that reminds us God helped us once and we continue to need that help. And there's no shame in that. And in fact, I would suggest that's how God wants us to live with a sense of continual need for God. Living in this way is not to use religion as a crutch. I would suggest to you religion is not something for weak people whose uh, dependence is continually enabled by this divinely benevolent being. God is not interested in facilitating helplessness in us. God is not somebody willing to, to participate in some kind of divinely codependent relationship with us. It's actually freedom to acknowledge our dependence on God. It's actually freeing to acknowledge that we need help. If you look at the end of the psalm, you'll notice all the many mentions of the word free right at the very end. We've flown free from their fangs, free of their traps, free as a bird. There is freedom in knowing that we need help. There's freedom especially because we know that God is faithful to answer our cries for help. I'm reading, I've actually just finished, a beautiful book, a beautiful uh, poetically written book that I would recommend to anybody who wants to read it next. You can come and get it after the service if you're looking for a, a good summer read. It's called Glorious Weakness by Aaliyah Joy. And one of my favorite quotes in this book is this. Glory is revealed most clearly in desperation, dependence, and discomfort. The book titled Glorious Weakness, Discovering God in All We Lack. Glory is most revealed, glory is revealed most clearly in desperation. When we're desperate, that's, 
That's where God meets us. God's grace is made perfect in our weakness. So we need help. We together, corporately, we as individuals, we need help. And it's okay to need help, and it's good that we need God's help. And there's a sense of freedom in us living in that relationship of being dependent on God for help. Because God helps us. And that's the second point. First, we need help. Kind of obvious. I need help anyway. And God helps us. God is for us. If Yahweh hadn't been for us, the first line of that psalm, God is for us. Everyone went against us, but God was for us, David says. Now don't be misled by this whole track of thought around God's enemies and God is for me, but God isn't for them. In this amazing, gracious paradox where the image of God resides in every person he created, God is somehow for everyone. (laughs) Even in the midst of our own experience of of human enemies and, and other enemies, God is for us, for each of us. God is against evil. We know that for sure. To say that God is for us, to say that God helps us, it might bring about connotations of help that comes from God in sort of a militaristic way, like God helps me and my side, my nation against that nation. You might think about militaristic help. You might think about materialistic help, like God helps me to get what I need, to get what I want. Or sort of an individualistic kind of help, like God helps me and only me. But that's not how God's help works. God's help is always generous. God's help is always extended to all. And God's help is not always in the way that we think we need help. In the Christian context, specifically, what we need help with the most is to follow Jesus, to be on the journey towards Christ. We need help to choose hope instead of despair. We need help to forgive when we'd rather seek vengeance. We need help to trust God instead of trying to live independent lives. We need help to know what the Spirit is doing and saying when we would rather go with our own ideas. That's the kind of help that God is interested in giving us. And that is the kind of help that we can be sure we find as we ask God boldly. And notice in the context of God giving help that God is the one who's strong in this psalm. Yahweh's strong name is our help. It's Yahweh who's strong. It's God who is strong. It's that kind of help that we can depend on, and it's God's strength, not our strength. We aren't the ones who have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We aren't the ones who have to help ourselves because that's how God helps us. No. God is the one who helps us because we need help. And this table, this table, this communion table, it reminds us of that help. 
This communion table reminds us that we needed help. God came in the flesh, God for us. Jesus came because we needed help. Jesus came and lived among us, showed us how to live, and then died and gave his life so that we might live with him forever. Jesus offered the help that we could not give ourselves. Forgiveness for our sin, restoration, healing, wholeness, purchased by Christ on the cross. We need help, and God helps us. This table also reminds us of the kind of help that Jesus received from his heavenly Father. Jesus was indeed helped by his Father, but Jesus was helped in forgiving his enemies. Jesus was helped and strengthened as he walked that agonizing road to the cross. By the power of God, by the help of God, Jesus was raised from the dead, but he had to die first. That's the kind of help that God gives us. The kind of help that happens when we depend on God, when we bring to him who we are in our weakness and in our poverty. And God brings life out of death. And so now I want to invite you in a few moments to turn towards one another, gather a group of maybe three or four people, and to answer two questions in response to this idea of needing God's help. So in groups of three or four, I invite you to share, if you have one, a story that comes to mind of when you received God's help. And also to share a place where you are in need of God's help today, right now. So a story of when you did receive God's help and a place where you need God right now. And for those of you who have just started to seize up a little bit when I've said turn to one another and share a story and pray, you have permission to participate as a bystander. I would urge you, none of you, you can all choose what you want to do. If you want to quickly get up because you have a, you know, you had to go to the bathroom and you want to avoid this entirely, you're, able to, you're allowed to do that. But I would encourage you to stick in with us. Even if you don't want to share anything, you can just participate and say, I'm just here to listen today. You're allowed to do that. There will be enough of us to keep the conversation going, I'm sure. But I invite you to share with one another the answers to those two questions. And then please take some time to pray by way of preparing one another, preparing together to come to the communion table. So gather in your groups, speak with one another and pray, and then at some point I will invite the worship team to come up, and once you start hearing some instrumental, you'll know that you'll need to kind of wind up your prayer time. I will extend a brief invitation to you at that point, invite servers to come up, and then you can come to the table. All right, so go to it. Please gather and... Gather your three or four and speak and, and pray, and uh, in 10 minutes' time we'll be back together. <laughs>